Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. If it's your first time with us at the church at Bushland, our senior pastor, uh, Jeff Ponder, is on a little sabbatical a couple of weeks. Our elders uh, sent him to uh, get recharged and refreshed, and he wasn't able to get out of town because of uh, some old house issues and some new house issues, but he's buckled down. If we can do anything for you as a church, our deacons, our elders, our pastoral staff, just give, us a, just give us a shout. Talk to us after church. Uh, you can call the church office, and we'd love to, uh, to follow up with you, but to try to protect uh, his time during this sabbatical over these, these uh, next couple of days. If it's your first time with us, uh, in a few weeks when he's back, you'll notice that I have a lot more hair, and, and I also have a lot more shirt than he does as well. And so we're, um, uh, we're the same, but we're different. And so uh, I appreciate the opportunity to... <clears throat> to stand at Jeff's pulpit uh, and, and speak from the Word of God today. I don't know how many of you have some problems today uh, in your life or some challenges where you need a touch from God. Maybe somebody in a group this size, uh, the guys told me there's 417 of us in, in the room this morning, and, and maybe in a crowd this size, there's some of you need a touch from God physically. You, you need a miracle in some part of your physical health. Maybe in a group this size, there's there's a relationship here, a, a parent to a child, a child to a parent, maybe student to student, and that relationship is stressed and strained, and you, you need a touch from God. Maybe there's a marriage here uh, this morning that, that needs to be reconciled, that needs to be healed, that needs to be strengthened. Maybe there's an issue or a challenge or a problem this morning, and you need the Lord Jesus to touch you and touch your life and touch your issue to bring his power and his healing into your life. I want to tell you this morning, the good news is we worship a God and a Savior and our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, his Son. We worship a Savior who can touch you and change you this morning. Amen? Some of you believe that. In chapter 9, before we get to verse 27, in chapter 9, we see that the Lord Jesus has already, he's already healed a synagogue leader's uh, daughter. She had died, and the synagogue leader comes and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, what's going on? And he said, my, my daughter's died. And Jesus goes there, and he says, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And there was a crowd gathered, maybe the folks from his synagogue that he was a leader in, and they, they just laugh at Jesus. Jesus walks in and takes her by the hand and just walks her outside. And the news, the scripture says, the news spread about Jesus. So when we get to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27, we see a couple of deaf guys who've heard about this. There's been other uh, touches from Jesus in, the, in his ministry to this point, his public ministry, and they've heard about it. Maybe they heard about the synagogue ruler's daughter, and they find out where Jesus is going to be. They're both blind, but they find out where he's going to be, and they seek to confront him. They seek to get his attention. They want a healing touch in their blindness, and that's where we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 30, as we consider the question, what kind of faith does God honor? What kind of faith does God honor? Verse 27, Matthew 9, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, if the synagogue guys and the Pharisees aren't aren't upset before this. They're really upset now. Because these two guys are basically saying, 
you are the son of David, you are the Messiah, and we need you. And the Pharisees and the synagogue rulers, they didn't like that. They hadn't embraced the teaching ministry of Jesus, much less the messianic ministry of Jesus at this point. And so what these guys are saying is not something that people out there that aren't Jesus followers at this point are going to be real thrilled about. But they holler out to him, they cry out to him, Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. Verse 28, when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, did, did you catch that? They say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us, and he just kind of ignores them. He just continues to walk on into the house. When he had gone indoors, verse 28, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then verse 29, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you, and their sight was restored. Now, I don't know what your problem is today. I don't know what your issue is. I don't know where you need a touch from God, but I think there's an example that we can follow today in Scripture to seek to have the kind of faith that honors God. I think there's an example from these two blind men that we can follow and, 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 and in our lives have the kind of faith that moves the heart of God. That's our, that's our goal today. Now, I've only been blind one time in my life. And it was when I was a senior in high school at River Road. And it was in a football game. And the football field back in the day out there was terrible. It was Bermuda. And, and it was just terrible. And especially where we stood on the sidelines. And I played outside linebacker. And the quarterback was rolling out. And the running back came out of the backfield. And he was in my area. And I, I tried to get out there and cover him. And the quarterback threw it, and I was like, I can make an interception. First one ever. I wasn't real fast. I know that's a shock to many of you, but <laughs> it's true. I wasn't. But I think I've got a chance, and I get out there, and I dive, and the football's just past my fingertips. So I put my hands down to catch myself. But my eyes were open for that potential life-changing interception. And so when I put my hands down on all that dirt, my eyes are wide open, and dirt flies up and just fills up my eyes. With, with dirt. And we're in front of the home crowd, but I can't see them because I'm blind. And I said, Coach, help me. I can't see. I'm blind, Coach. I'm blind. Coach, help me. Where are you? I can't see. And Coach Anthony's like, would you shut up for just a second, please? <laughs> it takes a squirt bottle. Back in the day, we all shared squirt bottles, you know. And he takes that water and squirts it in my eyes and washes it out. And then when my eyes are open, I can see the entire crowd as silent as possible watching me scream for mercy down on the sidelines. <laughs> I'm sad to say that was the highlight of my football career uh, that one night. It was the only time the focus was ever on me, and it was bad. Did you catch what these guys were doing, though? They're crying out. In the NIV, it says calling out. And the word there is only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's used in Revelation 12 too, when it speaks of a woman screaming out in labor. It's a participle, it's a present active participle, and here's why that's important. They were calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us, and they kept on calling out. When Jesus passed them, they kept calling out. When he went indoors, the scripture says, they kept calling out, and he finally comes out to them again. They've gotten his attention. From the depths of their souls, they believed that Jesus, whom they had heard of, could possibly do what they needed to do, that he could heal them, that he could touch them, that they could see. And notice what it says. 
according to their faith. According to their faith. Verse 29, according to your faith, Jesus said, let it be done to you. Not according to their social standing because they had none. Because you see, in the ancient world, they believed that if you were blind, either your parents or you had, had committed some terrible sin. So it wasn't according to their social standing because they had none. It wasn't according to their income because they probably were beggars. It wasn't according to any reference that they may have had in the community. It wasn't according to their good works because they really didn't have a life in the ancient world if they, because they were disabled. Physically disabled, visually disabled, mentally disabled. In the ancient world, you were considered to be nothing because you had sinned or your parents had sinned, and that's why you were in that state, in that condition. We know that not to be true, but they didn't know that in the ancient world. They were blinded by their ignorance. But notice the blind guys didn't give up. They did not give up. It says, according to their faith, Jesus said, you'll be healed. Listen, before we move on, let me say this. God loves it when we put our faith in him. If it's mustard seed faith, it's, if it's great faith, if it's immature faith or it's mature faith, if it's vocal faith or it's silent faith, regardless of what style our faith comes in, God loves it when we put our faith and our trust in him. And it's encouraging. This phrase, according to your faith, is encouraging because we see that it moves the heart of God. We see Jesus literally moved from indoors to outdoors. It literally moved their faith, the heart of God, in the manifestation of our Savior, Jesus. It's encouraging to see this. We know without faith, according to the writer of the Hebrews, we know without faith it's impossible to please God. But at the same time, that statement, according to your faith, is a little bit confusing or it's a little bit discouraging. It's a little bit discouraging. Christians and church people, we can, we can be a little brutal here. We can miss the accurate narrative in the hands of Jesus here. We can be a little bit brutal. The reason God didn't answer your prayer is because you didn't have enough faith. Have you ever said that? God forbid. The reason you didn't, God didn't answer your prayers is because you didn't have enough faith. When God does something, he gets the credit, and he deserves it, right? But unfortunately, in some churches, when God doesn't move, the person doing the asking gets the blame. And that's not in the text here, is it? There's no blame in here. There's no prescription for how much is enough and how little is too little. But sometimes in our church, in churches in general, and in the Christian community, we, we can get a little, bit, a little bit harsh and a little bit mean. You didn't pray right. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't sign off the right way. You signed off in Jesus' name. You should have said Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You didn't shout when you prayed. You didn't stick your finger in your ear. You didn't bind up the devil when you prayed. In other words, you didn't have enough faith. And so while, yes, God does honor faith, and that's true, many of us sometimes live with guilt, which is a false sense of guilt, because we believe that we did something that we did something wrong. I've got encouraging news today. We know that faith moves the heart of God. So in the next few minutes together, what kind of faith moves the heart of God? I hope you'll take notes at this point. What kind of maybe you didn't write down the River Road football story? 
But I want to give you some stuff that might be worthy of your ink and your journal. What kind of faith does God honor? What kind of faith moves the heart of God? Number one is this. The kind of faith that believes even when it does not see. Remember what we said about that word? It's a present active participle. They were calling out. If we're to take the way it's used in Revelation 12, they were screaming out, not caring about what that looked like, looked like, not caring about the etiquette of that. They were calling out and screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. What kind of faith does God honor? The faith that believes even when it does not see. These guys couldn't see yet. They didn't know what was going to happen. They only hoped for it. Look, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You know this verse. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what? About what we do not see. Assurance of what we do not see. Long before they saw the results, they believed. Long before Jesus even came back outside to talk to them, they believed. Think about two blind men who, who didn't have any support group. They didn't, have, they didn't have sticks to use to help walk. They didn't have seeing eye dogs. They probably didn't even have a family member because, by the way, they had sinned and that's why they were blind. Not really, but these two guys are probably alone. Wandering the countryside, listening to voices, they, I, I believe this. They said, I can't see yet, but I can walk, and I can fall down, and I can get up, and I can listen, and I can smell, and I can ask questions, and I'm going to find Jesus because I believe even when I cannot see. Whatever your challenge or your need or your place that needs a touch today, I want you to hear the question from Jesus. Do you believe that I am able to do this. Do you believe that God is able to hear your request and on your behalf to answer? Students, listen. Listen. Don't talk. Do you believe that God is able to hear your request and answer on your behalf? Yes or no? All right, seven of you that answered, let's move on together if we could. That's the churchy answer, isn't it? The churchy answer is, of course, move on, preacher. Of course we believe he's going to hear our prayer and that he's able to answer. But listen to this. You remember the story, it's old. They were going to have a prayer meeting, it hadn't rained in three years. Farmers were going to get together in prayer. The last farmer showed up and said, you guys don't believe God's going to answer our prayer for rain. He said, yes, we do. Who are you to tell us that? He goes, how come none of you brought your umbrellas? Yeah. You see, there's a difference believing that God can hear our prayers and can answer our prayers. There's a difference between believing that he can and believing that he will. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. In the last seven days, what have you been faithfully praying about? In the last seven days, what were you faithfully praying about? We prayed about our food and our safe travel last week to youth camp and back. How many of you are praying for somebody in a hopeless situation to be healed? 
How many of you are praying for that lost family member who's been lost in their sin for decades to be saved? How many of you are praying for our missionaries around the world? Not just to be safe, but to make a difference. How many of you are praying for our missionaries who are trying to build an audience by growing crops and digging wells that God would make that water flood and make those crops just turn loose? Let me say this. It's on the screen. What you pray about reveals what you believe about God. What you pray about reveals what you believe about God. I'm I'm, I'm as guilty of this as you are, maybe more so. Sometimes I look back at the seven days and I see that I've prayed for my girls to be successful and I've prayed for uh, a new customer to come on board and I've prayed for food. I'm ashamed that oftentimes what I pray about, what I pray about reveals very little about what I believe about God. You pray about nothing, you don't pray at all, you pray small, you pray doubting, or do you pray big? Here's one more thing I want you to write down. The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. <laughs> when we planted a church in Florida, we just wanted to have enough people so we could have workers for the, for the babies and the kids. The first Sunday we launched, we had a great core group, and the first Sunday we launched, we had 12 babies under the age of two, and we only had two workers. And so I started grabbing teachers that I knew, that I knew had been vetted by the school system to come in, and if they would, and help take care of those babies. And we were praying just for enough workers to take care of our preschoolers and our children during worship time. And this guy said, came to me, this guy in the church, and he was new, and he said, what, what are you praying for, pastor? I said, man, right now I'm praying for workers. He goes, that's great. I think that's in the scripture, Matthew 9, towards the end, pray for laborers to, har- to come out into the harvest field. He said, what, you know what I'm praying for? I said, what's that? He said, I'm praying for you to baptize 3,000 people in the next year, three years, and, and, and start three more churches. Wow. I'm praying for workers, which seems lofty, right? I wasn't praying for offering, by the way, but I should have been. But anyway, that's in a whole nother, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother testimony. But he said, I'm pastor, I'm praying that our church would baptize 3,000 people in the next three years and plant three more churches just like it. The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith and the kind of faith that moves the heart of God that's faith that believes even when it does not see. Second, the second truth is this. Faith, the kind of faith that God honors is faith that persists even when nothing changes. Faith that persists even when nothing changes. You think these guys, when Jesus went indoors, they were like, what just happened? What just happened? It's quiet. His disciples move in. Maybe, maybe one of them's out there going, you know, you guys just need to move on. I, I don't know why he walked past you, but you guys might just want to just kind of move on. You know, you kind of smell. And you, you just might want to move on. Listen, their faith, that Jesus eventually says, according to their faith, may it be done. Their faith persisted even when nothing changed. It persisted. Jesus didn't answer immediately, but he did answer. But they kept on crying out. Kept on crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. We're, we're, the Apostle Paul in Colossians 4.2 calls us to be devoted to, to keep on praying, to keep on being watchful and thankful. The word devote there is to be diligent or be, be persistent. We might take the word calling out from these two blind men, keep on screaming out 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. You remember the story in Luke 18. Let's, we won't go there. You remember the story of the persistent widow? The ungodly judge said, if I don't answer this woman, she's going to drive me insane. And Jesus' conclusion from that earthly story with the heavenly meaning is this. He said, if an ungodly judge will answer, how much more will your loving Father in heaven answer? If you believe in persistence, even when nothing changes. Listen, I want to tell you something. You've been, some of you have been praying for something or someone for a long time. And can I give you the greatest testimony of my life to not give up? It wasn't me, but it was my grandmother, my grandma Carter. She prayed for over 50 years for my grandpa to be saved. He was a nice man. He whined her and dined her and whatever. He was a man in uniform uh, in World War II. And at the end of it, when he came back home, Jonesboro, Arkansas, and she married a man who wasn't a Christian, and she didn't give up. She prayed for over 50 years for him to be saved. I remember him cussing her in front of us and realizing one day, that's why my mom and daddy don't take us over there very much. They don't want, our, they don't want us to hear our grandpa cussing our grandma. But she kept on praying. And he was 74 years old when he gave his life to Jesus. You know what she said? I said, Grandma, I can't believe you did that. I was a grown man. I was a minister of the gospel. I said, I can't believe that you faithfully prayed every day for 50 years. You know what she said? She said, oh, I didn't pray faithfully every day for 50 years. I prayed over 50 years, but there were lots of times that I felt like giving up. And I said, I can't give up until he gives his life to Jesus. And he finally did. We tried to talk Brother Gill at Paramount Baptist to hold him down into the baptistry waters for a three count. Buried with him in baptism. <laughs> Raised to walk in newness of life. Just for a second until that panic started to kick in, you know. I was being serious, but Gil thought I was joking. So, uh, What kind of faith moves the heart of God? Number one, the kind of faith that believes even when it doesn't see. Number two, what kind of faith honors God? The kind of faith that persists even when nothing changes. And number three, here it is, faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. There's a big difference between hope and faith. Listen, hope is a desire. Faith is a demonstration. Did you hear me? Hope is a desire. Faith is a demonstration. I believe Abraham hoped that God would provide the sacrifice when he took Isaac upon the mountain. When he had taken God off the throne of his life and put his only son on it. I believe that he hoped God would provide. And he says that to Isaac, if you recall the narrative. On the way up, Isaac says, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God's going to provide. Boy, he's hoping God provides. He's hoping God provides. But that hike up that mountain at 100 plus years old was a demonstration of his faith. Amen. It was demonstrating, according to James in chapter 2 and verse 22, you see that Abraham's faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Listen, faith that moves the heart of God works even when it doesn't make sense. Am I praying for God to heal me? You bet I am. But until he does, I'm going to keep on calling out. I'm going to do what I need to do at the doctor's office or the surgeon's office or the operating room. I'm going to do what I need to do, crying out, making sure my faith and my actions are working with my faith as a demonstration of what I not just believe God can do, but what I believe he will do. The blind guys didn't focus on what they couldn't do. They focused on what they could do. I can't see, but I can hear yell and shout and follow Jesus. You can't pay your bills today. Keep on crying out to Jesus to help you pay your bills. 
Sell everything but the kids, you know, if you have to. Put your faith in demonstration, your actions in demonstration of your faith. You can't change your spouse. You've tried. Love them as they are and believe for a miracle. You can't heal your own cancer. Keep crying out for God to heal your cancer. Thank God for doctors and nurses and therapies and medications. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Make sure that your works are engaged because God honors faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. You have a burden for human trafficking on a global level. You can't stop them all, but keep crying out for God to help you do something small to make a difference in human trafficking around the world. Some of our kids got broken the other night when they saw visually. Remember the Skittles kids? They saw visually on the screen a demonstration in East Asia of 1.3 billion people who never even heard John 3.16 in their language. One student can't reach a bit 1.3 billion people, but you can begin to reach those that God says you can reach. Make a difference. Noah built the boat before he ever saw. Never. Rain didn't exist when Noah was building the boat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, we're not going to worship you. We believe our God will save us even if you throw us in the furnace. But if he does not, we will still honor him and not you. Even if he doesn't, they said, even if he doesn't save us, we will not worship you and your idol. How much is enough faith? Can I give you a description, a gauge of faith? I can't. You know why? Because it's not faith in faith. It's faith in the faithfulness of God, amen? It's not faith in faith. I believe God can. I believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, I still believe. You know when Jeremy Camp wrote that song? He had just gotten married and found out that his young wife had cancer. And she died in four months. Jeremy Camp wrote the song, I Still Believe. Say, Michael, you got some blind faith. I don't have it figured out. You got some blind faith. Can I finish with this? I'd rather, be fa- I'd rather be blind with faith that God can heal than see and have no faith. I don't know about you. I don't have it all figured out. I don't fully understand all of this, and I don't like the, w- the way we can get in church with that according to your faith phrase there, but I'll tell you this. I'd rather be blind with faith that God can heal than see and have no faith. What about you today? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity in this place to worship you, to be reminded from a very, very familiar text about the healing power of our Savior, about the life-changing power, about the life circumstance-altering power of God through the person of Jesus. And God, thank you that there is a faith that moves your heart. And Father, we don't claim to know everything about the will of God but Father we want your will in our lives and in our church God we, we don't know when enough faith is enough but God we don't have faith in faith we have faith in the faithfulness of God Almighty and Father we, played, we pray that blind faith br- blind faith would fill up these lives in this room fill up these families and fill up this church God because we would rather be blind in faith knowing that you can make a difference than see without faith. 
So God, today, we submit to you. Father, these students have been moved at camp, some in ways they've never been moved before by your spirit. God, I pray that they would say yes, Lord, to the things of God and no to the things of the world. Father, there's some in here who've been hurting for months, for years, for decades, for half a century, like my grandma, praying for you to move and act. God, I pray that according to their faith, you would answer their prayers by your power, Father. God, this is your time of invitation. If there's somebody that just needs to be prayed over, I pray they'd step out, take one of these couples by the hands and share their need and be prayed over this morning, God. I know there are some students who have given their life to you for the first time, and they're going to step out seeking to make that decision public to follow you in believer's baptism. God, there may be a new family here today that says, even though the senior pastor is on a sabbatical study break, we still believe this is a place God wants us to come and join and minister and serve. Father, this is your invitation. According to our faith, may you work today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Till hell. 